Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Speech with Rach podcast. My name is Rachel Musial, M-A-C-C-C-S-L-P, and this week we are going to be talking about teletherapy. Now, for those of you who don't know, I currently work in the pediatric home health care field, and for about almost a year now, I have been 100% in telemedicine. Before the pandemic, never in my life had I had any experience with or thought I would be in a setting that used telemedicine. So today, I'm going to share with you my experiences with telemedicine, some pros and cons I've noticed, and a few of the different models that I have adapted using teletherapy. I think that the great thing about telemedicine is that it can be so versatile. And so I'm going to take you through a few different models or ways that I set up my session based on the population, parent involvement, language barriers, timing, and so on and so forth. This is going to be a hefty episode filled with lots of goodies. So if you are interested in telemedicine, are currently working in the telemedicine field and maybe struggling a little bit, I suggest you take out a pen and paper because I'm going to be giving you a lot of goodies today. So without further ado, let's get right into it. It is so crazy to me that it has been almost a year of being 100% remote, at least for me. You know, when COVID first started, I definitely was one of the more pessimistic people, kind of assuming, thinking that it would be definitely a few months before we were back to a somewhat sense of normalcy. But little did I know that Telemedicine would, at least for me, last for a year and would teach me a lot about my abilities, the field, parent involvement, and so on and so forth. Now, I'll start by saying that, again, on my podcast, my podcast is my experiences, my opinions, my beliefs, my views on things. I have been a speech pathologist for about two and a half years. I still have a lot to learn, but what I like about this space is that I can be candid with you, open and honest, and typically you guys come back and share your experiences with me as well, whether they be the same or different. So today I just want to share with you what my experiences have been going from a home health play-based hands-on therapist to a 100% telemedicine therapist. So before COVID hit, as I shared, I was working in the home health pediatric setting. The company I work for serves birth to 18. Typically, my caseload consisted of kiddos, I would say aged one and a half to about 16 has been my oldest so far. And before COVID, again, as I shared, I loved home health and I loved telemedicine because I got to be in the client's environment. 
While clinics are beautiful and can be so adaptable and changing to what the client needs for that day, providing a sensory room, you know, a quiet space, a group, individual. Sometimes in my experiences, I've noticed that it's tricky then to get that carryover, to go from maybe a more sterile clinical setting to a real world setting where there's more distractions, more unknowns. So I really like home health because I feel as though we get to be in the client's everyday environment. And because I mostly work with littles, it's all about that parent education and connection. When I first joined the field of home health, one of the first things they taught us when talking about our goals was to make them functional, to say, how is the child going to use this skill in their everyday life, right? Why is it important to express themselves? Why is it important to know the ABCs or to name things? What's the reasoning behind these goals? And I loved that because when I worked in the schools, so much of our goals were centered around standards and what was expected at that age. They're very academic-based goals. That's great. That's awesome. But with the population I work with, with those littles, I think it's really important to highlight those functional skills because those are the skills that then transfer to other environments, like the school, growing up, social skills, activities of daily living, hands-on learning. So it really goes across the board. So I loved home health because I was in the homes. Parents were in my session. I got to see hands-on what the families had at their disposal to use, what their daily lives looked like, and how I could work with them to make speech a part of their daily life, not an extra. So it was great. I was probably seeing or completing 25 visits a week or so, 25 to 30. The driving was not my favorite as I am, (laughs) I've been in quite a few car accidents in my life. One, only one has been my fault, but I don't love driving. So that aspect of home health was not my favorite, but I liked the hands-on part of it. I liked how I was going to different spaces through the day. I liked the flexibility. And then one day I got an email from my company saying, yo guys, it's COVID. We're going to be telemedicine. So I got really nervous at first. And and truly, Speech with Rach was born (laughs) because of COVID. When COVID did first hit and we switched to telemedicine, excuse me, to telemedicine, I lost a lot of my clients. They were nervous with COVID going on, handling telemedicine. Some of them were not ready to take this new feat on in their life. And so I saw a pretty big drop in my caseload. And that's why I started my Instagram was because I had some extra time and I started thinking, you know, why not share what I've been learning with the rest of the world if I got this extra time? So I'm really thankful to COVID and very thankful to to telemedicine because it truly has created this space for me. But it was a challenge. And at first, I was very confused how telemedicine would work with children 
babies mostly, you know, aged one to three, since that's most of what I see, one, one to five, one to five. So these were kids that a lot of them could not sit, you know, maybe our goals were in joint attention. Some had an ASD diagnosis, so just were struggling or we wanted to limited screen time in general. Some of them had families that weren't typically hands-on, so this had to be a new feat. And I was just like, what am I going to do? But I took it with stride and I decided this is going to start to become a valid form of medicine. I know it's going to be. And very soon after, maybe a few months, in Colorado, telemedicine was approved as a valid form moving forward of therapy. So even if we go back to that 100% in person, if the child is sick, if there's a snow day, we can still meet and not lose that consistency and that progress. So one of the big pros of telemedicine has been the flexibility. So I kind of want to break it down for you guys, the different models that I have taken on with telemedicine based on my population. I think that there are probably three models. The first model is a hands-on play-based model. The second is a mostly parent education coaching model. Okay. And the third is an interactive combination of screen and play. Okay. So let's start with the play-based model. This is a model for the kiddos, my littles, that can still handle play-based therapy with the screen. So to me, what this looks like is we are still using hands-on toys to achieve our goals. The kiddo on the other side of the screen, the little, typically has a toy. And because I have a big treasure chest of toys, I like to model what they're doing on the other side of the screen. Now, I am always, always, always using parent education throughout my session. However, with these kiddos, I notice we can kind of do simultaneous education while we're doing play, okay? So this might look like the child has blocks. So I take out blocks. So they're playing, and as they're playing, I am modeling or kind of copying what they're doing as well while I'm modeling language, teaching joint attention, following routines. They might be building a tower, and we might be working on words such as put on, go up, make it big, right? Also with my Spanish kiddos, we're working on that as well. We might be naming different shapes that we see, different colors. I might have the child as well try to do different tasks, keeping it as child-directed and play-based as possible. So let's say that we're playing with the blocks, and I see that we're losing the kiddo's attention, and they're running to something else. What I'll kind of do in that moment is when I see their attention wavering, bring in mom and dad and say, okay, If we're noticing that kiddo is not having the attention with this, let's give them another choice and let's build a routine here of cleaning up, setting an expectation before we go on to the next thing. 
So this is a combination of play and parent coaching while following the child's lead. This is typically for my littles that don't struggle as much with attention. They might be running around a little bit, but for the most part, they can maybe sit at a height chair or at a table to attend. Now, regardless if they can attend or not, I am always, always building in time for sensory exploration and play during my sessions. Letting them get up and move with music, run around, jump, and explore, okay? I think that is vital in allowing the child to attend for a longer period of time is building in those little sensory breaks. So even if they can sit, there's going to be moments we get up, but these are my kiddos that can maybe sit a little bit better, okay? These type of child-led or functional interactions might also be targeted through everyday routines. Some of my kiddos that I have, I have meals with. So they'll be sitting in their high chair and we're eating together. I've got my coffee and my breakfast burrito, right? <laughs> and they have their milk, their food choices, maybe some toys. And we're eating together. We're modeling language. I'm catching up with mom. But again, they're leading the session. It's hands-on and it's functional. This for me is really ideal if possible because I feel like it's a half and half combination of chatting with parent and caregiver while also letting the child lead. Again, this model is not for everyone. If your kiddo really cannot attend to the screen or if the parents just, for whatever reason, cannot be involved, this may not be the best model for you. But I still kind of call this my play-based lead model. And I still, guys, I still use all of my hands-on materials. We are blowing up balloons. I am running around my room, launching rockets and throwing stuffed animals. We're still using everything. And I try to, again, parallel as much as I can what the child has in their home, too. So that's kind of the first model. The second model in my mind is mostly parent education, parent coaching. This is for those kiddos that really either cannot sit, are really, really maybe intense where telemedicine is not the focus. These are the kids where you are working with parents to check in on them, their mental health, what they need in terms of support, adaptive items. Do they need grants? Do they need funding? You're checking in with their day-to-day, talking about the goals in everyday setting. You're problem-solving together, really being an open ear for them. This also might be a time where you suggest activities and then the following week check in with them. So if I know that my kiddo will not sit at the screen, I might take that session to take a book and teach a parent how to facilitate that activity with the child on their own time. We will always try to involve the kiddo as much as we can, but sometimes it's not feasible. To me, though, parent education is just as, if not more valuable than hands-on therapy because those parents are the ones that need to feel empowered to carry on those routines when you're not there, okay? So my parent education settings, 
They might even be something, guys, like I have shared my screen before and we have gone on to Walmart and Amazon and picked out and created a sensory diet for a child, tools that they might need for the day, walking through things together. Maybe we're filling out grant forms and funding together, okay? So whatever the parent needs, that is still very much so a successful session. And the last kind of model to me is maybe usually for my older kiddos. And those are my really play-based, computer-based sessions. So I'm sharing my screen and we have boom cards up. I have pinkcatgames.com, a favorite of mine. These are for my kiddos that are working on literacy, phonemic awareness, um, figurative language, maybe a little bit of pragmatics. We're watching YouTube videos. We're reading passages. We're sharing things. These, again, are typically for me, my grade school, middle school, high school aged kiddos. Sometimes some of my littles will enjoy some of those boom decks. But again, it's really hard for them to attend. And with them, I really like to keep things as play-based as possible. So I tend to stray away from those. Again, with these online games, I have found a lot of success. There are so many free resources out there. While I love all the incredible decks from Boom Learning, from Teachers Pay Teachers, there's also a lot of free things as well. So just keep an eye for what you're looking for, and you can really build up an extensive library of a wide range of different areas and languages. I, as you guys know, work with a Spanish population a lot. I'm by no means a Spanish speaker, but I've lived in Spain. I've minored in Spanish. I've worked with Spanish kiddos for the past three, two and a half years of being an SLP, and I do the best that I can to support those kids. Whenever I need help, I can bring in translation. But what I love about Bloom Learning, Teachers Pay Teachers, PinkCatGames.com, another one I'll throw out there, is that there's a lot of Spanish decks. There's a lot of resources out there, so you can adapt, and you can be flexible to your caseload, and that's what's been so great about telemedicine. Some of my kiddos have gone through all of these models. Some have stuck with one. But telemedicine can allow you to be versatile, to support the family, the child, in what they need for that week, for that month, or with their long-term goals. Do I miss playing and being on the ground, hands-on with my kids? You betcha. I miss it so much, you guys. You have no idea. But I personally believe that telemedicine, where I can see their faces, is more effective than going into the home putting on this big protective barrier, multiple layers where I can't see their face and struggling to build that connection for me. Everyone is different. And for my families that telemedicine doesn't work for, I am always happy to transition them to a clinician that's doing in-home services. Just for me at this time, I'm still seeing a lot of success and a lot of families that want to stick with telemedicine. So I'm really happy through what it's taught me. In the future, I think a perfect model would be a hybrid model. 
of the option of telemedicine or in person. And I hope that one day I can get to that space. I really have welcomed telemedicine with open arms. There's been days it's challenged me. There's times it's exhausting. I will say looking at the screen all day can be a little tiring, but I am thankful that I have this as an option and I've been able to have my health, protect my space, and still see and maintain effective therapy sessions with my littles. The last thing I'll say for today is that, again, I'm choosing to see telemedicine as a blessing. I've shared with this with you guys many times, but I think life is all about how we choose to see it. And while there's moments that I don't love it, I ultimately choose to see the positive things that it brings me. Now, speaking with choosing and speaking with positivity, I also want to announce my 30-day affirmation challenge that has started today. Every day this month, I will be announcing or posting a new affirmation that I have curated specifically for SLPs. I wanted to do this because affirmations are amazing and powerful, I've talked about them many times before in past podcast episodes, workshops, and my post, but it can be sometimes hard to find accountability in that. So I have created a 30-day affirmation challenge on my Instagram, and in your inbox you can receive it if you sign up for my newsletter at speechwithrach.com. But stay tuned and join me on this challenge. If you do, you can use the hashtag Affirmations with Rach. So that is hashtag Affirmations with Rach. And I'll be reposting all of those on my story as well. I want to see our community start to retrain our brain, reprogram our mindset to bigger and better things. Let me know what you guys thought of this episode as well, your experiences with telemedicine, what you love, and what you hate. I love having these open and honest conversations with you. And again, I am so blessed that you have given me the space to share and to connect with all of you. Until next time, I am sending you so much love and light. See you soon.